0: God has given me the tongue of the lion, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear the Lord. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for your word. And the Bible says the entrance into God's word gives light. And then it makes the simple wise. Today, I want to uh, speak on a, a message that titled "It's kind of awkward title, but add grace to your faith. Add grace to your faith. Today, there's a lot said about grace, and it's very important." But I was thinking, how do I title this? And I saw something really clear to me, and I wanted to share that with you. And I pray that God will touch your life today and and help you see how the Word of God works in our lives to change us. The whole essence is a change, a changed life. A changed life that clears the way for all of God's blessings to come rushing into your life. And your children's life. Even to the 10th generation. God says a thousand generations later because you love Him and understand His ways. Every time we go into scripture, what you must try to do is find the ways of God. The principles that govern the universe. The principles that govern the world. Your life. My life. That's what the scripture is all about. It's a map to life in general. It tells you everything. And it tells you how to relate to God. So that you can benefit from your relationship to God. He says in Ephesians chapter 2. Beginning from verse 8. For Or because by grace you have been saved. Not going to be saved. It was by grace you have been saved. And that grace came through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. The faith came as a gift through the word of God. It is the gift of God. Not of works. That's important. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. I didn't force it on myself. I didn't work hard to get it. It was a gift. It came by grace. But grace also works. You're not working, but grace works. And people can actually see the outcome of the work of grace in your life. So grace. You were saved from something. For by grace you have been saved. You were saved from something. And what brought grace into your life was faith. Faith brought grace. So faith first and grace came and was added to your faith. And that brought you salvation. And when you are saved, you are saved from something. And you're saved on to something. And so when you read the scriptures, and you read from, from uh, James, you begin to wonder, who is right? Are they saying something different? Do they mean the same thing? Because James chapter 2 verse 14 tells us, what does it profit? In other words, you don't profit anything. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith? but does not have works but paul already said not of works lest anyone should boast but james says what does it profit if you don't have works you got faith what does the profit if someone says i have faith but does not have works then he has can faith save him how do you put those two together and so what is James talking about? Are they contradicting one another? When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, something is going to change in your life. You still look the same, but your friends can tell you're not the same. And so what James is saying, a workless faith... It's a worthless faith. If you don't have works, that kind of faith doesn't save. You say you have faith, but if you really have faith, and grace has come through faith, there should be something different. Grace works in us, and the works can be seen. So James is saying, if you say you have faith, then you should have grace. And if you have grace, then you should have the evidence of the presence of grace in your life. And if I don't see the evidence of grace in your life, you're just talking. We've got to see the evidence. How does it profit? No one is going to benefit if you have faith and there are no works with it, who is going to benefit from it? So he says, don't you realize, faith without works is dead. Nobody, dead people don't help anybody. It's dead. So, if you have faith, let's add some grace. Because grace will generally come. And if grace comes, there's going to be works it will be seen that there is works. The funny thing I see in the church today, and I think that's why a lot of people proclaim faith, but you see no difference in their lives, because they are an island unto themselves. They don't mix. They don't get involved. They don't know people in the church. It's not helping anybody. When Paul who persecuted the church. When he met Jesus and received grace from God. He was committed to joining the church. The church was afraid of him. They won't let him come in. But there was something in him. I belong to this family. You see, where I'm going is, your character can be determined by what family you belong to. You got to belong. When there is grace, he drives you to your family. That's part of the initial work. I couldn't understand. Great man as Paul, educated, knew a lot. Jesus had met him, but he struggled very hard to be a part of the church. In Damascus, he wanted to be a part of the church. Barnabas helped him. Yeah, he's a brother. Yeah, we know. But he's a murderer. But he wanted to belong. And if grace has touched your life, you want to belong. You want to be a part. They should know you. Paul was gone. And remember when you read in in, in, in Acts chapter 20, Paul, after he had lived his life, he started telling them, he says, I'm going, I feel bound by the Spirit of God to go to Jerusalem. But everywhere, the Spirit is testifying that James awaits me there. And he told the people, he said, Now, listen, uh, you guys be very careful because when I'm gone, I'm not sure, I'm very sure I may not see your face again. And you know what? They wept bitterly, they were crying they wept and the reason they were crying is we're not going to see paul he became a family member they loved him if you are not in the church will they miss you will the church miss you that's the question when you are on your own and doing your own thing and living for yourself you are not part of god's agenda The the evidence is there in the way you live. The church doesn't miss you. And I wonder if you're truly a part of it. When you die as a family member, your family members miss you. They cry. What about you as a family of God? Today, we're still talking about some people that lived. They're gone. But we're still talking about them. Because of their lives. Paul said, said, I am what I am. By the grace of God. And the grace of God tossed so many lives. Lives were transformed to the point where they would rather keep him. Paul said, I was, I'm, in, I'm in a street. I feel like I need to be, to be with go on and be with the Lord. It's better for me. But you need me. So I'm going to talk to God. I'm going to stay around. And guess what? The believers were happy about it. Would the church miss you? Have you made any contribution to the church to the point where, like Dorcas, when she died, they called Peter and said, look, we can't permit her to die. We need her. You talk to the master. We need her here. Will the church miss you? That's the issue here. Are you truly a part of the family of God? If you're part of the family, you should be known where you live. And you, when you want to do your own thing, guess what? You're not going near them. You're doing your own thing. You say you have faith, but there is no grace. No works. That's the issue here. In the same ch- uh, next chapter, verse 20, uh, chapter 21 of Acts, the same thing. In Philip's house, the evangelists. After Agabus came and well, tied his hand with took Paul's belt. And he said, this is what is going to happen to the man. And they were all weeping. They had come to love this man that persecuted them. That caused them so much problem. But now he had become part of his, of the church. And they saw the grace of God upon his life. And how he lived his life To bless people and live the life that was both pleasing to God and to those around him. And they loved him. They all wept. And he had to rebuke them. But what you see today, people are excusing, uh, that's not that bad. What's wrong with that? And you go, everybody is doing it hey, everybody's not. You've been lied to. The more you stay away from it, the farther you stay away from grace. And when there is no grace, He's showing your life. You can, you can deceive people in church, but your family members know what you are like at home. You can't transform yourself. He takes the grace of God to transform you. And until grace is multiplied in your life, there will be no change. I need to go on a little bit here. In, in uh, Second Peter, Peter talked much about this. He says in verse 2, grace and peace. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. You have already have the knowledge of God and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But his prayer, I need grace to be multiplied in your life. When grace is multiplied in a person's life, guess what else is multiplied? And when we talk about peace, we're not just talking about peace, in just inside. You remember when God, Solomon found favor, grace, inside of God, there was peace in the kingdom. And guess what? Where there is peace in the kingdom, prosperity needs to meet. Peace. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. In the knowledge of God and of the Lord Jesus. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him. Again we're dealing with knowledge. Knowledge is so important. His divine power has given to us all things. Say with me all things. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Can you imagine what God's divine power can make available to you? You see the sun? You know how it came? His divine power. The stars. His divine power. That same divine power has made everything... That pertain to life and godliness available to you. I see divine power. But then we're talking about grace and peace and knowledge of God. He says, by which have been given to us. So, what, how is that form? The things that are given to us are given to us in promised forms. Everything that God's given to you. That pertain to life. And to godliness. they are not things you can handle. Physically. They are in promised form. And the way to get them. Into the natural. Is by faith. And grace. So he wants grace and peace. To be multiplied. So he tells us this by which have been given to us exceedingly great, exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So when you receive Christ, God freed you from the lust of the world. And if you're still there, I wonder what's really happened. Because you should have been freed. And now these things, you now have been given exceedingly great and precious promises so that you can have God's kind of life on earth. To have God's kind of life is divine nature on earth. God wants that. But listen to what He says. But also, for this very reason, because of everything I've said to you, for this very reason, giving all diligence, (laughs) all diligence, not some, all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Who is to add? God. You've been given these promises. And through these promises, you can add to your faith. Add to your faith, virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly, kindness. Kindness. And brotherly kindness, love. And then he tells us, For if these things are yours, in other words, if you possess them, the word is if. That means you may have faith, but you got to have this. If these things are yours, and you are bound in them, you will be neither barren, nor unfruitful, in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, there is profit in knowing God. And God despises unfruitfulness and barrenness. He doesn't want anything to do with those type of things because everything that God does is fruitful. What was the first blessing on Adam after he was created? Be fruitful and multiply. So God wants that blessing. It takes to have these things. I call them seven graces. Every one of them, very important. Seven graces. This is not talking about the fruit of the Spirit. That's in Galatians chapter 5, okay? This is different. These are graces that you must add to your faith. So that you are fruitful. Because God wants you to be fruitful as a Christian. And not to be barren. To be fruitful. Diligence is required. Today, it's hard to see the commitment that you see in believers. When they come into Christ. There's got to be diligence. You have to pursue after it. It's not a game. It's life. You were in church. I've often said to people, please hear me people, when you die, you leave everything behind when you die. Everything you own, including your body, you leave it right here. There's only one thing that you're taking with you, your memory. <laughs> and it will be sharper than it's ever been. Otherwise, you cannot be judged." You will remember when you sat in church and you heard the word of God and rejected it. You remember the day and the hour. You never forget. Through eternity, that's where for those that will miss heaven in hell, that will be more torment because they had the opportunity to make it and they didn't make the decision. And that vi- that video, that that vision, will be before them all through eternity. And why didn't I just do something on that day? Because this is real. This is very real. Why didn't I make a decision for God on that day? Why didn't I make a decision for God to add virtue so that I can be fruitful in the house of God? Make some contribution to the kingdom of God. Why? Jesus says this. He takes he takes diligence. God said, You will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Not I'm just going to try. No. It took the death of God's son. You just don't try. You go for it everywhere. Just launch out for it. You gotta have it. I have no desire, you should have no desire to go back to your old life. There's nothing there. You get a better life. And you're going to stay that way. Jesus says this, the scripture tells us this. Somebody asked Jesus, Lord, are there few who are saved? Luke 13, verse 23. He asked Jesus, Are there few who are saved? And this is what Jesus said to them. Strive to enter. That's labor, right? Strive. Work hard to enter. Strive to enter through the narrow gate. You see, that's so important. Just because everybody thinks it's okay, doesn't make it okay. It's a narrow gate. And there are so many people wanting to go through that narrow gate. Yeah. Uh, they have all kinds of things with them, and the gate is too narrow. So they don't want to drop it, so you're not going through the gate. He stayed with those things outside the gate. He says strive to enter through the narrow gates for many that's what bothers me and it should bother you many I say to you and people don't talk that way he's telling you then he says I say to you that's important God is behind what's about to come out is the law I say to you many I say to you will seek to enter they are wanting to enter But he says, they will not be able. They will not. And you know what this is? It's prophecy. And this is not a feel good thing. This is prophecy. About my life. About your life. If God has given you wisdom, you will be crying out to God, God, please, I don't want to be among the many. God, give me grace. Help me. So that I'm not one of those that will not enter. Because I know that scripture is going to be fulfilled. Oh, yes. There will be many that wanted to get in, but it was not important enough for them to take enough oil in their lamps. They're a little careless. A little careless. This is important. We have to keep that in view. The world may change and tell you, it's okay now. Uh, We have made a new law. Uh, That's man's law. God stays the same. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And yet, living for Him, He grants you grace That transforms your life. And you don't have to struggle. His grace at work in your life. That's what Paul says. I am who I am. By the grace of God. If you will allow the grace to work in your life. He'll produce something beautiful. In your life. But if you don't want it. Then you can go your own way. Strive to enter. Jesus also said. In Luke 16 verse 16. He says. The law and the prophets were unto John. That means John the Baptist. Since that time, since the time of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God is being preached. Just like it's being preached this morning. And everyone is pressing into it. It gives you the same picture. Everyone is pressing into it. But not everyone that's pressing into it is going to be able to make it. And that's where diligence comes into play. It's got to be serious business. It's got to be serious business. God will not tolerate barrenness. And so Peter is saying, if you have all these things, these seven graces in your life, you focus on them, you know them, and you pray about them. When God says something, Take those same scriptures and ask God, What does this mean? I want that. Don't we do, our kids do that? You're eating something, the kid says, Mommy, what are you eating? He says, "Uh," says, can I have some? Right? Are you going to say no? You give them. Where God told you in the word, If you have all of these things in your life, You will never be barren, Nor be unfruitful. And God says, add these things to your life. Uh, so, how are you going to ask? You don't have because you didn't ask. If it's important to you, you ask. Uh, uh, when we can't pay our bills, we know how to ask, right? God! <laughs> and, and, and you're really screaming, God! You know. Uh, But you ask if you have it. God doesn't want barrenness. In uh, John 15, you know that scripture. He says, I am the true vine. Jesus is the true vine. This is another scripture that every Christian must never forget. Don't ever, no matter what's happening in your life, please don't forget these scriptures. No matter what everyone is saying, the grace of God is there for us. The grace of God can make you. But you have to want it. And and wanting it is also coming from the grace of God. There is that heart heart there that is saying, God, I want to be everything that you want me to be. If God's found that, he'll deal with you. Take this stuff away from me, God. I don't want it. And he sees your heart, he'll work it out for you. He'll work it out for you. Jesus said, I am the true vine. And my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. So, fruit bearing is very important to Him. It means to remove. If you've been taken from the vine... You are no longer part of the vine. There's a strong message on grace. But grace doesn't give you license to do wrong. Grace gives you the license to do right. And empowers you to do what's right. That's what grace does. He it says, it'll take it, the father will remove that branch. And every branch in me that bears fruit, the father the word prunes there means the father cleanses. The father cleanses. So you can bear more fruit. So when there is fruit in your life, God's focused on you and he's going to do more. More grace. Grace is going to be multiplied through the knowledge. The more you get to the, before the word of God, you receive grace. Because when you receive faith, Through the word, you also receive grace. Faith, you're saved through grace, by grace, through faith. So, that's the way it works. He's through the word of God, by grace, through faith. So, uh, Peter wants us to add these things, to was seven graces, and I'm going to go through them. And the first one I want to address this morning is virtue virtue. Hmm. I can excuse it if you just got saved a few weeks back. And your language is almost like a toilet language. (laughs) But after a while that should change. Because the Holy Spirit should change that. He'll let you know, that's not right. You got to be different in every way. When there is a change, virtue, me, that's dealing with strength and courage. Strength and courage, goodness. Your life is changed. Your life is no longer oppressive to all that's around you. Your life attracts. But then there is the courage to stand on your own because you got grace. Even when everyone disagrees with you. And believe me, when they disagree with you, they know they are wrong. When they make the laws, this is okay. They know it's not the right law. They know it. Deep inside, they know. But you have that courage to stay on your own. You want to be part of your family. It's so important. If you are, if you were a terror in your house, your children should be asking from your mom, from their mom, what happened to daddy? But if you claim to have faith, And your children see you come in and everyone is, they are going back to their room like cockroaches in daylight. (laughs) Something is wrong. If you are a terror to your wife, something is wrong. There should be goodness. Just like Jesus. You have his life now. His life is coming to you. You are the light of the world, Jesus said. And Jesus also said, if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So if you claim to have faith, but there is no proof of it, you are really in the darkness. In darkness, You identify with the family, and you live like the family. You have the culture of the family. So they know, and the world knows you're different. From, the, from them. If there is no difference, no one has ever seen any difference from the time you were born till you got born again, and after that, nothing has happened. The grace of God transforms a person. It does. You're not completely changed, but it changes you. You're different. You were not a churchgoer, but now nobody can keep you from going to church. And they notice. They notice. Before I got saved, I wouldn't want anyone to see me with a Bible in my hand because I knew I knew what they call me—hypocrite. He has his Bible in his hands. He lives like uh, whatever. (laughs) But after God transformed my life, oh, I won't able to put the Bible on my head. Look, I got the Bible. I have the Bible. It should be a difference. You know, I remember when I was saved, it was the time they had bell bottom pants. You remember that? And, and fro, you know, big fro. Yeah. And, and the high the platform, the young people won't understand. But this high, and the, your belt was this big, huge stuff like that. And you walked funny with those platform shoes. I got saved. And and, and nobody talked to me. I was in church, and nobody would make me, not even God would make me give my bare-bottom pants. I've got to be hip with the guys. But my pastor, they knew not to talk to me about that. So they left me. So when I went to church, all of them had their pencil pants or skinny pants. I had my bare bottom. I was the real thing. <laughs> I, I, it's amazing. I still remember it today. It's funny how the grace of God works to transform a man. There was nothing wrong with bare bottom pants, but God wanted me to identify with my new family. One day I got to church. Nobody was talking to me. Pastor never preached about my pants. You know, he knew I would not come back after that. (laughs) But then one day I was praying and I, I raised my head. And for some reason, I noticed that everybody, all of them in church had pencil pants or skinny pants. Except me. I didn't like that at all. I didn't say anything to anybody. I went back home. And I told my tailor, who who lived with me, caught all of that stuff. I want the pencil pants just like my Christian brothers have. I was a school teacher. And when I went to school the next Monday, my students said, what happened to you? You got pencil pants. I'm a Christian now. (laughs) Yes, I know God. And I was very pleased with myself. Amen. I was pleased. Because that was gone. But it affected my students. Many of you know Reinhard Bunke. One of those students that saw that happen. I didn't preach to them much. One of those students, when Reinhard Bunke was in big crusade preaching, one of my former students who is now a minister and saved, he was the one interpreting for him. From that same school with my nice pencil pants. (laughs) There's got to be a difference. The world has to see there is a difference in your life. Virtue. The problem with the church today, people, they don't maintain a good conscience. The Bible talks a lot about conscience. Yes, you are born again. But make sure you have a good conscience. So you don't become hardened. Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4. Two times, probably in chapter 3. he talk, when, If you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart. As in the days of provocation. Don't harden your heart. Your heart can become hardened. These are warnings from God that we need to pay attention to. Because not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is going in. I don't know what everybody is telling the church, but I know from my own life, my family life, your life, those that God has called here, not everyone is going to make it. But I want you to make it. Amen? I want you to make it. It's nothing to be afraid of. You already belong to Him. Oh, just flow with it. And you get, you get there. Amen? You will get there. But maintaining a good conscience is so important. He says in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5, Now the end of the commandment is love. Is love. Out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and faith unfeigned. That's so important. And in verse 19, he says, the same chapter, chapter 1, verse 19, holding faith. And a good conscience. Faith and a good conscience. So you have faith. Make sure your conscience is right. Every time you excuse something that God has convicted you about, if when you excuse it, your heart gets hardened. And the more you do it and excuse it, the harder your heart gets. And the time will come when you are fighting and thinking, you all are wrong and I'm right. But you've been deceived. He says, holding faith and a good conscience, wisdom having pulled away concerning faith have made shipwreck of their faith. They made shipwreck of their faith. They were going to heaven. They didn't make it. They had a shipwreck. Because of faith and a good conscience. It takes courage to stay there because everybody says it's right. It's okay. And maybe you see your Christian brother that you think he's doing well, he's doing and it doesn't bother him and he's still in church. (laughs) Don't be deceived. God's not going to change his standard. Not everything that glitters is gold. God's not changing his standard. So God show me, show you. I want God to show you. He's standard. He stay with it. Paul said some people made shipwreck. They were fellow ministers with Paul. That They started accepting things and justified it, and they made shipwreck of their faith. And I believe it mentioned one of them, Demas. He says Demas had forsaken me, having loved this present world. And you know the Bible says anyone who loves the world does not have the love of the Father in him. We have to have virtue. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. You have to be predictable. Predictability for a Christian is given especially when it comes to your faith. If somebody's looking for you on a Sunday morning, will they be wondering where you really are? Think about that. His life and death issue, and they are looking for you, no cell phones. Okay? And they need to find you. Will they say, oh, oh okay, it's Sunday morning, we know where she is. On Sabbath day, where would you find Jesus? It was right in the synagogue or in the temple. I can say that about you. A servant is not greater than his master, right? Daniel. They were talking about Daniel, how to trap him. Daniel wasn't perfect, but they know if it has to do with God, Daniel will fail. If it has to do with God, and you're trying to prevent him from doing what he does for his God, he won't, he'll fail in it. So they wanted to trap him, and they said, you can't trap Daniel in any way, except it has to do with his God. God. And we have determined he prays three times a day. And if you make any law against that, Daniel, even if it's coming from the king, Daniel is not going to listen. Can they say that of you? A virtue. Courage. Standing alone when others will not stand. Goodness towards God. Would they say that of you? These are the things that are important. When you do that and you stand strong for God, when you're gone, they'll remember you. I still talk about Smith Wigglesworth, they'll talk about Smith Wigglesworth till tomorrow. Because he lived a godly life and he had courage. He could care less what anyone thought. He did what God, he says, God told me to do it and he'll do it. Even if nobody agrees with him. you never seen a preacher punching a sick man, right? He punched a sick person. And the Lord told me to do it. While you are screaming and saying, uh, how can you punch him? You're going to kill him. The guy is screaming, I'm healed, I'm healed. So fight with the healed man. Courage to stand when everybody is saying, that's okay. That's okay. Let your yes be yes. And your no be no. Anything that goes past that is not of God. Lastly, this is so important. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. It is courage. You can't sit in an office where people are insulting Christianity and they know you're a Christian. And sometimes they're doing it because they know you're a Christian. No virtue. No courage. Your mouth is man. You said nothing. And you leave them wondering. You know what's going to happen? When they have troubles, they won't come to you. They know you are flaky. A flick. They're not coming to you. But when they are insulting Christianity and insulting God, you stand up and you tell them what you believe. Tell, give them testimonies. They will argue with you, shout at you, and say all kinds of things. But whenever they have real trouble, guess what? They look for you. They come looking for you. It takes courage. It takes courage to be good when every other person is going the wrong way. Everybody is doing what is wrong and you seem like you are alone. Still stand alone. But you're never alone because God is also standing with you. That's what God told Joshua. Be strong and be very courageous if you're going to follow God. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads with me this morning. We are living in a very difficult time. Today is like uh, Christians. It's like committing adultery and fornicating. It's not a big deal. Everybody is doing it. He's still sin. He's still sin. In business. What are you doing? You are able to get, do something and get money to yourself while the other person is hurting. That's still not virtue. You got to do what's right. The Christian is called to do what's right. And God's grace will help you. If you want that, ask for grace. grace. God's grace will free you from all of those. But we have to do right. If you're here this morning and you say in your heart, I know I'm not living completely for God, but I need that grace of God today to overtake my life, to have control over my life. If you're here this morning and that's your heart's desire, God says the desires of your heart will be granted. If you will just lift your hand up and say, God, that's what I want for my life. I want to be true to you. I want to do what's right before your eyes. I've not done right by you so far, as much as I should. But I want to get there. And that's my heart's desire today. God, would you help me? If that's you, put your hand up. One, two, three, put your hand. Thank you. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. Thank you, Lord. scripture is very true your life doesn't belong to you it belongs to the Lord Jesus he lived his life for us every single day was not for himself 33 years about every single day like a lamb raised to be slaughtered on our behalf He did that for us. He gave himself for us. And God expects us to fully give ourselves to him completely. We can't be like the world. We want to live for him. If you see a brother, a sister doing something, you know it's not from grace. Pray and gently remind them, about their faith in God that they might turn away and leave would you all please stand up this morning I'm going to let you know this until you get involved intimately with God's family you will keep having issues with regards to righteousness. I found that the secret. Iron sharpens iron. Get involved. They should know you in the church that you attend. That's very important. Get involved. I thank God for his grace. I've been involved. I love my Christian brothers and sisters. I think that's number one. When you are around them, the Holy Spirit will begin to show you things about your life and sometimes he walks through them and they are not even talking to you it's so important that transforms people and their lives will challenge you to make a, a commitment that you never thought was possible the further away you stay from the people of God you die spiritually let me give you this i don't know why this came to me but it's so strong it came to me early this morning almost i was going to change everything if you have a fire going with a lot of logs or piece of wood or whatever in the fire if you separate one and set it aside you'll still be burning right he says i'm still burning i still have some flames give it five hours it's as cold the fire's gone. that's what Christianity is all about you have to be involved with God's people if you're here get involved if you can't find a place to get involved that's the way it should be if God wants you somewhere else that's the place to go but when you go there get involved That's where your life is going to be changed. I saw that when I saw the life of Paul. As great as he was, he had all these individuals around him constantly. When he's in town, he wants to be with his brothers. You can't stand alone. It's a family. We need to know you, and you need to know us. We're a family, it's so important. I think that's one of the dangers in the Christianity today. Before long, your, your theology is changed. And you're out there you're by yourself. When we are together, the Bible says God pours out great grace. In Acts, great grace was upon them. And they were in unity. In one accord. And, God, and when grace comes, Purity purity you consider for your brother and you love them and you want them to 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 excel in God that's what Barnabas wanted and he had Paul would you lift your hands up to the Lord this morning in the form of surrender first to him and to his body. Amen. That's the way it works. Love for God. And love for his people. Your brother. We have passed from life to death. Because we love the brethren. You remember that scripture. You pass from life to death. I mean from death to life. Because you love the brethren. Father I want to thank you today. And God I thank you. For those that lifted up their heads. Would you say with me, Heavenly Father, thank you. I commit my life totally to God by the grace of God. I commit myself to the grace of God. And I ask that through the power of the Holy Spirit, grace of God, make me a servant of the Most High God.